You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I am at Roto Librarian Ryan Livergood. Joining us this evening, we've got a special guest. It's Kyle Richardson. He is at krich1532 on Twitter. Kyle, what, what's up with your Twitter handle? That's kind of a hard one to remember. How did you come up with that one? Uh, well, I came up with it many moons ago, back when I was just using Twitter to get my fantasy baseball and fantasy football information. Um, and K Rich was just my nickname when I was in high school. And then I took my high school baseball number and my college baseball number and put it together. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right. And now you give a lot of information on Twitter. You are very prevalent on Twitter. Joining me this evening is Will Greenwood from the home office in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Will, you are not so prevalent on Twitter, my friend. Well, yeah, I put all my college stats together and it amounted to nothing. So that's... <laughs> It's my experience on Twitter. Uh, we're missing Trey Barrett. Trey right now is in Vegas having a good time with his friends. Hopefully he will get home safe and be with us next week. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to Kyle. We're going to talk about player values March Madness style in a minute. But Kyle, talk about what you're doing. You're doing something new since you were last on the show. You were here last year, but now you are involved with the fantasy headliners. So can you tell us a little bit about that and where we can find that? Yeah, so I've been with the with the fantasy headliners for a couple of months now. Um, but the founder, Jake Hubman, um, at FNTSY Headliners on Twitter, um, you know, him and I did a show together, kind of part time last football season, and it's just kind of developed into me coming over to the fantasy headliners and, and taking a, a larger role. And we're primarily a YouTube channel. The fantasy headliners on YouTube were really close to 30,000 subscribers. We're going to throw ourselves a, a little bit of a party when that happens. But, um, you know, we're, we're focused mainly on that video content right now, but we have a website coming, we have podcasts coming, and we have a lot of different stuff coming. So it's a really exciting time right now. Uh, and it's really exciting for me to kind of be in the developmental helping stage of all that stuff. So really, really cool stuff happening. And I, and I enjoy it. Yeah, very nice. Check it out. It's nice. You can be on your treadmill working out. You can pull it up on YouTube. What your average show is... Uh, some of your um, rookie talk, you've had some mock drafts that have been like 30 minutes, but basically your average show is what, 5, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, 5, 10, 15 minutes. Um, the ones during the season might be a little bit longer just because we're putting so much information in at that point, but we really focus on shorter shows. You get your information, you get done, you get out, you watch more shows, or you go to work on your fantasy team, whatever you have to do after that, but we want to get you that information fast. Very nice. And we're going to try to get information fast out tonight because we've got a lot of topics surrounding our discussion on player values, March Madness style. And guys, first, I think we, I want to start with our PTPers, our favorite stud players, why they can't miss in 2019 and beyond. And maybe this is kind of a boring topic, but I was thinking about the tournament and at the end of the day in March Madness, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it's going to be your PTPers, as Dick Vitale would say, the guys that are going to get it done for you. So of all the guys that are going maybe in the first two, three rounds of startup dynasty drafts, who are guys that you feel you just really feel good about. You feel like they're great investments now. They're going to be great investments several years in the future. Kyle, your name that you put throughout here 
it's kind of an interesting guy because some people may may want to avoid him because of his past, and that's Ezekiel Elliott. So why is he your PTP or your favorite stud player? Um, I've just I've been a huge Zeke fan since he came into the league. I honestly thought he was going to be the one of the next great running backs, and so far so good. Uh, yes, a little bit of trouble in the past, but hopefully at this point he's cleared everything up and it's not that big of an issue moving forward. But I get a lot of questions. You know, why is he your running back? Because he's my running back one right now, and he's going to be maybe my number one overall player for drafts next year. So I haven't done all those rankings yet. We'll see. But people ask me why? Why would you do that, especially in PPR leagues? And I threw this stat out on. Twitter a couple of weeks ago um, or a couple months ago actually and it was since week nine of last season so that was Amari Cooper's first game with Dallas Zeke averaged 6.2 receptions per game and if you take that over 16 game pace that's 99 receptions which would have been only second to Christian McCaffrey so I mean he is going to get that PPR value next year it's going to happen offenses aren't going to be able to account for Amari Cooper and Zeke Jason Witten is back, and even though I don't think he'll do a ton, it's still someone you have to watch over. Michael Gallup is going to be better. Randall Cobb is there now. I mean, and I know people say, well, what about that offense? It's going to have to break up at some point. Jerry Jones loves his flashy players. He's going to pay Amari. He's going to pay Dak. He's going to pay Zeke, and then he'll just find whoever to fill the rest of the positions on that roster. I like that. That's a nice stat. And, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that's interesting, Kyle, because his value has risen. I mean, it was not so long ago when – Maybe you could get him in the middle of the first round of a startup draft. And now you're seeing him creep up to the very beginning, you know, second, third, fourth pick. So, um, Will, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts uh, on Zeke? You like him as a, as a stud, a guy you think you can rely on for the next couple of years? Well, for personal reasons, I invested in Zeke pretty heavily in a couple of dynasty leagues. That I was trying to ride to a championship and, and, you know, there's a couple, there's a Chubb trade in there. There's a couple other things that I felt like I very much overpaid for him. And then uh, it's, it's part of kind of, you know, maybe maybe my personality. I had some buyer's remorse in the sense of like, oh man, did I not did I did not uh, take into his character issues for the future enough in the hand? So it it makes me very happy that this is your your prime time player and that you're super stoked about him. Also, a, a secret favorite thing about Zeke that's maybe fringy that that maybe you don't think about is uh he he's only played 15 games max each year, so he sat out the last game of the season because the the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. And that makes me so much happier because week 17 is like baloney and it's horrible. It's, it's terrible to factor into any sort of fantasy production and stats. And so Zeke is there, you know, just grinding out, doing what he can, not playing in week 16 in the two seasons that he's played, or sorry, week 17 in the two seasons that he played uh, 15 games. So I actually really appreciate that about him, that he's showing it in the fantasy season, not just the game after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my big thing with Zeke is I, I am risk-averse, and I do worry about him doing something stupid and losing time. But that being said, he, he doesn't have that same history as someone like a Tyreek Hill, as, as far as I can tell. So maybe that fear of mine is overblown. I mean, I, I, I like the analysis. I, I like the idea of him being a, a, definitely a guy that you can feel comfortable about investing in. So. Uh- Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle, are you worried about the that the jump is just the anomaly with Zeke from them? Because he went so target wise, he went thirty nine, thirty eight in in ten games, but then in uh, ninety five in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- with what you've seen, do you think that's going to continue just the, the the current trajectory and or get better, or did you see last season as an anomaly? I know you kind of said it a little bit, but the the fact that in the past they didn't use him too much, but it changed. 
I, I think I think we'll see it continue to ramp up or be kind of what we saw towards the end of the season because it was their goal. I mean, they said it out loud at the beginning of last season. We need to get him more involved in the passing game. And I even expected that to happen last season because they didn't have those wide receivers to really help Dak Prescott. And I was like, you know what? They're going to be good enough that they can get away with it. And they weren't. Everyone just keyed on Zeke. And even though he was still really good on the ground, he just couldn't get that working in the passing game because maybe they were playing from behind or whatever it may be. The people were, you know, spying him out of the backfield. You know, I don't know for sure without watching all the tape. But um, I think what we saw towards the end of the season with Amari Cooper, that really, really helps because now you have to account um, for your deep threat, a guy that can do everything, a true number one type of wide receiver, that, that really, really helps. That's why I think those targets will continue with what we saw towards the end of 2018. Let's move on from Zeke, Will, and let's hear about your PTPer. Yeah, so this was surprisingly hard to come up with for me. Uh, you know, I was trying to keep in mind that, that, that any player can, can bust. Uh, you know, Kylie Kim with Zeke, I, you know, I really loved him and thought about him. Uh, but, you know, I, I was trying to think, so no, no player can bust. Like, think about Virginia last year, no 16, or no one seed has lost to a 16 seed, and, then, you know, they went ahead and did that. So, and it was a relatively, like, boring pick in my mind, but as I looked more into it, I, I got more excited about it. I ended up with Brandon Cooks, because Brandon Cooks just doesn't bust. So you're talking about primetime player, uh, a guy you can't miss on. Let's go, let's go Brandon Cooks. He's only had one year under 100 targets and 1,000 yards. And that was his rookie year in the Saints, and he played like 10 games, you know, starting. Uh, he, he was just turned 21 at the time. Uh, he's been a constant producer. He's proved that he's very, very just a great receiver on multiple teams. I know that he's playing – he's played with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but at least on the Rams he's playing with the first-round quarterback. And uh, yardage-wise, he had his best year that he's had uh, this, this past season, and it was lower on touchdowns. I think Cook's arrow is pointing up further than we are thinking – and I'm very excited. He's also going to be on that team for at least, you know, a, a, a couple more years with their dead cap and what they've committed to him. So I'm actually, after looking into this, I'm, I'm going and putting out offers for, for Cook or for Cooks because I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a key piece for your team throughout the whole season. So what I want to compare him, like, compare him to was when you see an underrated team or when you see a team that's, like, really well coached, but doesn't maybe have the star talent. So he's like a Michigan state is a three seed going into the tournament. All right. I, I love the, the tie into the instead of a tournament and the teams playing in the tournament. So perfect. And I like Brandon cooks. I think you know that will, because he is a guy that just seems to be constantly undervalued as you say, but he puts up the big numbers and, and he's a, 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 what's his ADP. I have to look, I think he's still going in like the third round of startups. So, I love the call. Based on fantasy football calculator, his ADP is 25 right now, so you can get him at the start of the third. Okay, there you go. There you go. Kyle, what do you think of him? I, I, I would love that value. I mean, if you're, especially if you're somebody who says, you know, I'm going to go wide receiver running back or running back wide receiver. If you decided to go wide receiver again, not only his age, not only the team that he plays on, but a guy that's been a very good producer, consistent, someone that you can rely on as your wide receiver too. Heck yeah, start of the third round. That's an excellent value. Yeah, I, I just think he, he's a guy that we just keep, you know, overlooking for whatever reason. Will, what, what, go ahead. Yeah, well, the Patriots system has also been very difficult on receivers in the past, and he's, he did really well there, and he was only there for a year. So he, he's, to me, it, it proves that he's very intelligent and will be a good receiver for the years to come. All right, we got a consensus on, on, on Brandon Cooks. 
Guys, I don't know what you're going to think of mine. My, my, I should say PTP or primetime player. Uh, you know, if, if you don't know the, the, the Dick Vitale-isms, if you will. Travis Kelsey is my guy. When I think about a guy that maybe he's on a tremendous value, but you're, it's not like you're taking him in the first round of a, a startup unless it's like a tight end premium or something like that. Travis Kelsey, the thing I like about him, guys, is, well, not only his, his situation and, and what he's done the past several years, he's only missed one game. One game for a tight end, that's unbelievable. I know that can change, but you can rely on him. He, he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. We don't know what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill. So I love Travis Kelsey. I mean, if I'm looking at guys, you know, drafted the first two, three rounds of a startup, and I, I look at guys, I, I think Travis Kelsey is a guy I feel really good about. I have concerns about other tight ends. I have some concerns about Zach Ertz and him holding up all, all 16 games of the season and also the – the, the, the Dallas Goddard factor there. I have concerns about George Kittle. Uh, obviously, with other guys like O.J. Howard, we haven't seen them have sustained, sustained success. The other tight ends you just really can't trust, right? So Kelsey, for me, is a stud that I love because I think he's clearly the number one in his position, and he's got a great situation, and he's reliable. I love him. I love Travis Kelsey. Kyle, do you have, do you have any um, – I don't want to poke any holes in, in my Travis Kelsey love. No, you said he's clearly number one in his position, but he's clearly number one in a position that when you get past, you know, the top three, maybe four, at that point it gets really risky and then value just completely disappears. And then at that point it's just like, who am I plugging and playing every week? So I've seen some mocks where I've seen Travis Kelsey get to the third round. Typically he's going at about the end of the second right now though. Um, but I, another factor to kind of think about as well, we don't know we don't know everything about Tyreek Hill right now. There are obviously some issues out there with him and some concerns. Um, if, if that were to happen, I, that just boosts Kelsey even a little bit more if he were to get suspended or something, because now then there's more targets uh, to go around there. So um, a lot of people will probably think, oh, it will hurt Kelsey. I don't think it will necessarily hurt him, but it will give him an opportunity for more share. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly – if anything, I don't know if it's discounted him, but it has, he hasn't seen an uptick in value like maybe a Sammy Watkins has the past couple of weeks, at least a little bit of, of uptick in value. Well, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on here, Ryan. I, I, I want to disagree just for the, the sake of you know, some debate and some fun, but I, I can't. And the, the only point I was going to mention is uh, just imagine, imagine if Chris Conley was still on the, the Chiefs, how much hype he'd be getting right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, just wait and see. We'll, we'll see if, if the Tyree Kill news comes out that he's going to miss some time. Yeah, we're going to. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to get hyped on that roster. They're all going to be able to tell their kids about this one day. I went to Loyola. We were in the Final Four. No one believed in us. Let's get into the Cinderellas. We might have some disagreement with the Cinderellas. These are under the radar guys, also known as sleepers. The Cinderellas. You know these teams, the Loyola of Chicago's. They, they come into the tournament, they're being overlooked, but they make a deep run into the tournament. Who is a fantasy asset that could make a nice run this year, could have several weeks of sustained success and beyond that can help your dynasty team? So, Kyle, who would you uh, want to start us off with here? I was going to say Antonio Callaway just for the heck of it, but (laughs) (laughs) no, my Antonio Callaway hype is I've had to put that in a drawer for the time being. I'm sorry that, well, that's who could have seen that coming, right? (laughs) So, okay. So I picked Naheem Hines, a guy that I really liked in the draft last year, a guy that I really thought was going to 
maybe end up being a little bit of a bigger contributor for the Colts last year, but he still did very well. It was, um, it, it was the emergence of Eric Ebron finally that kind of brought that down, I feel like, a little bit. But um, last year, Hines was the only rookie running back that had less receptions than uh, Saquon Barkley. He had 81 targets last season, which was third for the Colts. He had 63 receptions, which was also third on the Colts. That's three less than Eric Ebron had. So he was right up there with really that number two option for Andrew Luck. And I've, I've talked to some people about him. Marlon Mack, I, I like Marlon Mack, but he, he does look like he might be a guy that is going to miss some games throughout his career that might have nagging injuries. I'm really glad they didn't sign Le'Veon Bell. I thought that would have been an absolute huge mistake for them, and not everybody agreed with me. But Wilkins, Hines, and Mack will be just fine in a tandem in that offense. Um, so Hines is a guy that really has a lot of PPR value. And even though they've signed Devin Funches and, and he is there now, Funches to me isn't a high volume guy in Indianapolis. He's a red zone guy. I don't think he's going to be racking up a ton of receptions and a ton of yards every year. I think you might see similar to kind of what he's averaged, um, throughout the seasons in Carolina with maybe an uptick in touchdowns. But I think Hines is definitely a guy that can see a lot of PPR value and maybe even uh, look to expand a little bit in terms of not the catches or the targets next season that he had, but the yardage and then what he does in the run game as well. That's really interesting. And when, so we're recording this on Wednesday. So there were reports that Jay Ajayi was going to visit Indianapolis and, and, you know, maybe, he could sign with them in theory. But even if he did, that's no threat to Naheem Himes at all. And looking at Marlon Max, I was curious about his targets. You're right. I mean, uh, you know, he, he sees maybe, you know, a couple targets a game. So interesting. Those are really eye-opening statistics on Naheem Himes, a guy that I liked last year and I have him on a lot of my teams, but also a guy I'm not, wasn't really sure what I should be doing with, but I guess he's maybe kind of a buy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Will, what do you think? I would like to add with, with Himes and, and this, him kind of being the Cinderella story is remember Heinz preseason? It was horrible. Yes. He had so many fumbles. I mean, I like anybody who drafted Heinz as a rookie draft before the preseason was terrified. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and you look back at like his, let's go regular season. Just, and I know, I know game logs aren't the best thing to look at, but in the very first game of the season, Heinz had nine targets and seven receptions and it wasn't for a ton of yards, but he, you know, he played and he was out there and, I'm actually, I agree in the sense that like, I, I think Hines' upside is huge on that offense, and you want a pass catcher in, in the Andrew Luck run offense. The fact that they didn't sign Le'Veon Bell, I, the reason we wanted him to land there is because we're fantasy players. We're not NFL GMs. Uh, I don't care about whether the Colts win or lose. I want their fantasy stats. So that's why I wanted Le'Veon Bell to go there if I had him because their offensive line looked better. You have Andrew Luck. You have a you know potentially prolific offense and not so great of a defense, but maybe a good defensive scheme towards the ascending, end. Of the ascending, ascending. So, Darius Leonard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think the 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 Heinz call is good. Uh, it's like you know Heinz is maybe I, I don't want to say 11 seed because that's usually that weird conference championship winner. I can go like 12 seed. So they're like Murray State with John Morant. Like Naheem Heinz is the John Morant of the tournament, and so he has this opportunity to really flash to show himself next year. All right. I love it. Will, who is your Cinderella in, in so, our dynasty player value tournament? Uh, so, you know, Cinderella didn't stop aging, right, guys? Right. So uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of an older player here. And as I was looking into this and trying to figure out what I really wanted to compare a Cinderella to, so my Cinderella, Cinderella teams, they've seen in the past is like when a Wichita State, not what they were one seed and going undefeated, but 
when, when Wichita State or Northern Iowa, because I'm from, you know, from Iowa, but when they would be in there and they'd be like an eight seed or a seven seed and they'd, they'd kind of rough up the tournament a little bit. That's my kind of Cinderella story that nobody cares about until they're good, until they're on the national scale. And the way I would compare them is to one Mr. Marvin Jones. So I feel like last year in fantasy, he went underappreciated beforehand. He had a, you know, a couple of big touchdown games and yardage, but he didn't start off overly high. And then by the time that he hit his next peak game, you weren't starting him your starting lineup, and he's not getting that old. So that's, uh, that's what I'm going to end up going with. I'm not going to read off all of his game logs, but what I want to say is he finished the year really strong with the Lions. They, they're getting a better offensive coordinator this year. He's still under contract for another two years. I think they have to keep him there. And even with Kenny Galladay, I think, I think Marvin Jones is a very underrated player that you should be going out and trying to acquire in Dynasty if you're going to make a run. Interesting. I, I've got a trade where I traded away Marvin Jones recently for a couple of guys I'm going to talk about later. So I'll ask you guys as we get to him, what do you think of the trade? But first of all, Kyle, Marvin Jones, what do you think? You're, so you're, a, will, you're a Lions fan, aren't you? I am a Lions fan. I am yeah. a Lions fan. And I love the signing when they first brought him in. I thought it was excellent. I was very excited for it, but I did caution people and say, first year, new quarterback, new system temper your expectations however by him going into year two so then going into year two he does he ramps it up over a thousand yards nine touchdowns average 18 yards of reception so but then last year he only played in 11 games last year had some issues having Golden Tate Kenny Galladay emerge that can be difficult but now they've basically replaced Golden Tate with Danny Amendola and even though I'm a Danny Amendola truther from back in the day he's not going to be a guy that's going to take away from Marvin Jones the way Golden Tate would. So I do think, I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver again, because I do think they are going to look at using carry on Johnson more and more as we move forward. Um, I really think they're going to establish that run more, but I do think he is definitely a guy that you can play um, some matchups with that can potentially be like a wide receiver three flex type play for you in certain weeks because the touchdown big play upside is always going to be there with him. Yeah. You know, I, I traded away Marvin Jones, so I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think he's one of those guys that if he's on my roster, like if, if I can get something for value, like, like I did, I'll talk about in a little bit. I don't know if he's worth keeping around. I, I don't know how good I'm going to feel starting in from week to week. I think that's the thing I think about Marvin Jones. I just think he's going to be a little bit up and down and consistent. So that's where I feel. Although that being said, I, I like identifying a guy as a Cinderella that has proven it before. And it wasn't so long ago. It was two years ago. Wasn't he like a top 15 wide receiver, you know, fantasy wide receiver. So mm-hmm. um, I think he was at least, at least wide receiver too. So I, I do think that's an interesting pick and getting away from just talking about, you know, these um, younger guys, these second tier year guys. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Cause I'm going to talk about Kalen Balaj. Kalen Balaj is a guy that is very athletic. Uh, maybe there's some limitations to his game, but and, and another downside to Kalen Balaj is he plays for the Miami Dolphins. And as Will will tell me, Ryan, why are you investing in the Miami Dolphins in the offense? <laughs> but I think that he has a chance to do some damage in the backfield because I think it's it's Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator uh, from that Patriots background. He is going to have a running back by committee. He likes playmakers. And I think he's going to be the type of coordinator that's going to put Kalen Pelage in a position this year to, to put up some, some big numbers. So Kalen Pelage is my guy that's kind of a Cinderella. 
he, he has potential to put up some big, big numbers. And he's a guy you can get pretty cheap. I think he's a guy that some people are kind of high on, but I, I like Kalen Balaj as, as a Cinderella, the guy that could do something in fantasy. If something happens to Kenyon Drake, I mean, it's going to be K- the Kalen Balaj show in Miami. So he's going to have some value even if the Dolphins are horrible. But, Will, I'm going to go to you first because I know you don't like Miami Dolphin players. So what, what do you think of this pick? Wait, are you serious? Because they just got out of the danger zone. With Dowell Loggins, who I assume is only related to Kenny Loggins, uh, who wrote Danger Zone. So, <laughs> you know, chop that in there, Ryan. I will. Uh, and, you know uh, I will. Now, but he's kind of like, how do you say that like, he's now out of a horrible offensive coordinator uh, position? And I think that's a, a really big word for the Jets, but that's a whole other story that I think, Ryan, you really brought that to highlight for me. But I think Kellen Blodge, now you have an open opportunity. You have a third-round pick in front of you. Uh, and I think Kim Bush, like, if he can prove that now he's, he's learned the NFL, he's learned how to block a little bit, he's athletic, he's big, he can catch, the, the similar story is there. He's going to be, though, like that George Mason, you know. You don't, you don't see him come around too often. They're really rare. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the George Mason is the 12th seed. What, they make it to, like, the Final Four? So I think he has the ability to be that Final Four team. It's not the Cinderella story making it to the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. He's a, the Cinderella story that can make it even further. The George Mason of, of, this, of this group. I like that. That's, that's oh, I missed that George Mason team. I forget what their like, power forward center was. He was shorter, but he was like a little Charles Barkley in college. It was awesome. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think of Kellen Blush? I have to say, I feel like I'm giving some good information, but my NCAA March Madness comparisons are not nearly as good as you guys. So. <laughs> well, Will, not me, Will. <laughs> I'm not doing nearly as good in that area. I, you know, I will say that I was, I was buying Kenyon Drake headed into next season. I, I have liked Balaj. I do think he's a guy that can definitely get in there. I feel like they're going to give Drake the first shot, though. Um, but then they go out and they sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and I know it's just Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's changed my mind a lot about what is going to happen with that backfield. Because I think the biggest thing for people to find value in that backfield is PPR leagues, half PPR leagues because of being, having to play from behind, um, and really using those guys in the passing game. However, though, last season, Ryan Fitzpatrick with, uh, was third in the NFL with 10.2 intended yard, uh, air yards per attempt and was first in the NFL with 8.8 completed air yards per attempt, according to next-gen stats. So because of those two things and he, him not really being a guy who checks the ball down too often, I don't know if we're going to get that. So I think that limits both of them because I've even cooled on Kenyon Drake at this point. And I might have him as like a, row, a low end running back too, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to even be hesitant with that probably moving forward after I get done with my rankings. Totally yeah. fair. And I yeah. think maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick just signed in Miami because it's close enough to Tampa where he doesn't have to move his, like, 35 kids too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, Kyle, I think that's really good insight, and I, I think that's a fair point. Um, and I, I guess I, I kind of like Kenyon Drake too, but I, I dislike the, the price of, of Balazs, although I think there is some hype building around him, and he's maybe a little more expensive than he used to be the choir. Should be great basketball. We got a lot of great diaper dandies here. I mean, some real. So you're a diaper dandy. We got a lot of great diaper dandies. Look, guys, let's move into some diaper dandies because we've got to do a little rookie talk, right? I mean, it's it's rookie season. We're getting hyped up on the rookies, so we're going to talk about our favorite diaper dandies, uh, favorite rookies. If you want to name a couple, that's fine. We all have our favorites. 
Uh, Kyle, why don't you go first? So who, who's your favorite rookie of this class or some of your favorite rookies and why? Every time I hear this name, I get a little warm and fuzzy on the inside and I feel, I feel good about it, but it's Hakeem <laughs> Butler. Um, I have been, I mean, this is a guy that I've really been watching since like right before college football started last season. So I, I do feel like I, I was one of the first to really say, man, this guy could really be something special at the next level. Um, and I tried to keep it a little bit as a secret, though, because I had a lot of Debbie drafts going on at that point. And I didn't want people to see it. So luckily enough, I got him. I could start hyping him up at that point. But then at the beginning of the season, he makes some just tremendous acrobatic catches. And then at that point, people are like, okay, because there's nothing that hypes players more than acrobatic catches, right? So then at that point, people start to, to jump on Hakeem Butler, and they realize what it's going to be. I was waiting for the combine, though. So because a lot of people, they're caught up with Harry. They're caught up with Metcalf right now, even A.J. Brown. You know, those guys might have a little bit more name value, but then Hakeem goes to Hakeem Butler goes to the combine and just smashes a 4-4-8-40, 18 reps on the bench press, 36 vertical, 128 broad jump. So I mean he just went, I mean he's 6'5, 227, arms of 35 and one quarter. I mean, the kid is just he's gonna be a beast. He's gonna be a monster. He's a little bit more athletic than you would normally expect from a, a bigger wide receiver than that. One of the things that I really like about him is his ability to make plays after he catches it. There is a lot of catches where he gets the ball, comes down with it, and then whatever defensive back is near him, he just tosses them like a rag doll. And then he gets you 5, 10, 15 more yards. And I love players that can always get that little bit extra for me. Now, he has an issue with drops, but I think that's one of those things where he just says, you know, I'm talented. I don't maybe focus nearly as much as I should. Uh, I don't, I'm not too concerned with guys like that headed to the NFL. Cause then when you get there, I mean, that's where it's like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta focus hundred percent all the time. So I think those little, those weird drops, those nagging drops that we used to devalue Devontae Adams for um, we're going to devalue Hakeem Butler a little bit for right now, but I don't think they're going to end up being an issue. All right. So it is Hakeem Butler. You're in a one QB uh, rookie draft is he your 101 um I've said it in a couple of leagues where I have the 1.01 that if I can't try to move back a little bit I'm just going to take him because I don't want to miss out on him I do think Nikhil Harry is the one of the safest offensive players in this draft um, I think he has the best floor I don't think he has the ceiling uh, that Butler or Metcalf have uh, and I'm not willing to invest in Metcalf at this point. There's just not enough for me to do at this point. I know he's a physical freak and all yep. of those things, but game tape injury, stuff like that. I'm just being hesitant with that. So I would, and it's all going to depend on landing spot because landing spots, it's like 50% for me in terms of that and, and their um, actual potential. So it depends on where these guys land too. No, absolutely. We talk about it all the time. Where are they drafted? Where do they go? That's, that's real important data we don't have. So it's fun to talk about the, the rookies right now, but we, we are working with incomplete information. Mm -hmm. Will, Akeem Butler, you've talked about it on before. Anything you want to add other than what you've, you've talked about in the past? Any, any, any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see where he ends up. And uh, you talking about the 101? No, I'm actually I'm, – I'm pretty for – I'm not I'm, – I'm pretty for him – being a great NFL prospect. It's almost like I wanted him to shrink down a little bit at the combine and just be 6'5 and not 6'6 because the 6'6 outlier is, is a little bit odd. But he also grew up with the Harrison twins in Texas, and those dudes were basketball freaks. He ended up going to play a little bit of basketball and football. And I think, I think Butler – and I was looking back through some text just as you were talking about him. 
because uh, one of my best friends from high school went to Iowa State. And on October 13th, when they were playing West Virginia, I was, talk- I was messaging him. I was like, hey, man, you, you realize, like, Butler's going to be uh, a top-end pro prospect, right? Because I think it was one of these times when he just snagged a pass and then, like, trucked some guy and then ran in the end zone. And that was, the, that was my first, like, awakening to him because uh, I, I'd watched, I do watch quite a bit of Iowa State stuff, even though I was an Iowa fan. And he, his progression has been pretty incredible. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. It, I don't think it might be year one based on system and where he lands, but if, if he's motivated and tries hard, his, his physical assets uh, are in just he's, – he's, he's not Brandon Coleman. You know, he's, not, he's not just a tall dude who's going to be tall. He's going to be way better than that. Well, let's move on to your diaper dandy because you have an interesting name here, I think. Um, somebody that's not getting discussed a lot because we just haven't seen anything from him. Uh, that's Rodney Anderson. Yeah, I'm going I mean, full. I mean during, during rookie testing season, I mean, we haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm going I mean. full bro mode here just because uh, Rodney Anderson came to the combine, just bench pressed a bunch of reps, and that's what bros do. So I'm going Schroeder's <laughs> running back here. Uh, he's a little bit older. I'm sad that he came out as a senior, but I think he's my, my diaper dandy. And we're looking at a little bit, I guess, older rookies based on all our picks here. So he got hurt in his senior year. He didn't, he didn't play a ton of games. He had a great junior year. And I think he should have come out, but I think potentially some bad advice. I'm pretty excited in this class that I think Rodney Anderson just fits the build of a, a you know, a bell cow running back where there's a lot of guys were reaching to, to fit them into that mold. And so this is, this is somebody that uh, I'm very excited to see where even he goes. And even if he's a backup or even third string, I'm going to be investing in him in rookie drafts. Yeah. Especially after Joshua Jacobs, the pro day that he had disappointing, ran the, the four six forty, so yeah. maybe slipping down draft boards a little bit. Kyle, where does Ronnie Anderson rank for you then in terms of rookie running backs? I, I, obviously, in a vacuum, draft capital is going to say mm-hmm. everything about where to draft Rodney Anderson, but w- w- what do you think of him right now without knowing where he's going to go, how high he's going to go in the draft? Since I released my first rookie rankings, he has been my running back too the entire time. And I do have Jacobs up there just because he's got that. I mean, he looks and feels like an NFL running back, except for the 40 that he ran. So, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, at this point, I would even be willing to bump Anderson up to my running back one. He is my favorite running back in this draft. 1,161 yards his junior year on the ground, 13 touchdowns, another 281 with five touchdowns in the air. He's produced. Um, you know, his, his uh, freshman year, a broken bone, that ended up being an issue. He's torn an ACL. I mean, he's done all these things where it's just not the type of injury where I say this is like an injury-prone player. I mean, this is like a Keenan Allen type thing where he has these odd injuries that we label them as injury-prone and we forget about them, and then they come out of nowhere and we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This guy's really good. Um, so with Rodney Anderson, absolutely love him. I would. I am hoping in all of my drafts that I have early second round picks that I can get him in the early second. That's I've got my fingers crossed for that right now. I'm gonna have a hard time not moving up for him, it, it, just based on that. You know, it's that. So one, he weighed in at 224, and he's six feet, so he didn't have that Hollywood Brown esque atrophy because he got hurt early in the season, but he still mm-hmm. came in, you know, like rocked up, and I think that's important. Where. 
are you guys going to be comfortable taking him in rookie drafts in terms of draft capital? Like if obviously if he, if, uh, he's not going to go in the first round, I don't think, but if he goes in the first round, yeah, of course you're going to love to take him. Um, you know, day two pick, you're probably comfortable drafting him in your rookie drafts, but if it, he slips to day three, how far down does he have to go where you're like, I would have been really excited before about taking him in, in the second round of my rookie draft. Now I'm not so sure because now there might be some concerns about this injury history of his. This year's rookie class is, to me, especially the running back position, is it's just so as much of what you really want. And if somebody goes in the first round, you're just going to grab that guy because he goes in the first round. But we also had like a guy like Rashad Penny go and then not produce for you in year one. That's what you want from those, those early rookie picks. But so it, to me, uh, in 2019, and I'm going to phrase this as trading up because I've moved a lot of my picks. Uh, if, if Anderson's slipping to the the 108, 109, and there isn't a wide receiver out there that I really love, I'm going to start throwing out, you know, because other people are going to be, the longer they take to draft, the less they think about that pick and the less they excited they are about it. Somebody's starting to put out some offers out there. You know, maybe you can get one of these guys with like a Doug Baldwin combo, something like that to, uh, to move up and get him. I think Rodney Anderson in, in a decent spot doesn't have to be great. You know, uh, I'm very excited about it. And I didn't name teams. And that's usually my thing. But what, what, I, what, okay, okay, I got one for you. The, the Miami Dolphins uh-huh. round four of the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Till round two. <laughs> okay. Oh, what about the Jets too? Because they have Dot Loggins, and that's the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's going to depend on where he lands. So if he lands in a really good spot, then I'm going to be scrambling to get into the late first to get a hold of him. I think the one thing that has really helped Rodney Anderson so far is Justice Hill, Miles Sanders, and then Mike Weber. So for those three running backs, they did well enough at the combine that fantasy owners, dynasty owners are starting to become more and more intrigued with them. And because we have this recency bias where we just saw these guys now, because we haven't seen Rodney Anderson, he's kind of fallen to the wayside. So I still think unless he lands in a really good premier spot, like Kansas city or something crazy like that, I think he could end up slipping far enough back to the first. You can get him in at the end of the first, or if you're like in an IDP dynasty league where defensive players will be coming off the board, you could probably get him in the early second. So honestly, so Rodney Anderson, what do you think about him staying for his senior year though? I think that's a little odd. It makes you think that like he got bad advice for his draft capital coming out as a junior that like, it's either that or he, I'm worried that maybe he's just not that good. Like maybe he had some flashes and they were like, okay, you need to improve on these three things and then go. And then he tore an ACL or I think it was torn ACL, right? Yeah. Yeah. Torn ACL. So um, I think he had a couple of different things to play with. I think number one, um, he wanted to win a championship and he was going to be on a very good Oklahoma team and they wanted to make, and he wanted to come back and do that. Um, So I think that was probably like the biggest thing that ended up happening. Um, But I also think you run into, you know, a draft class, or maybe someone said, you know, the 2018 draft class at running back is going to be a lot better than the 2019 draft class. So if you go in 2019 and you stay healthy, if he had stayed healthy, he would be the number one running back in my mind, no questions about it. And we would probably not be as excited as we were about Barkley, but we would, we would be up there. It would be like a Z excitement, a Barkley excitement. Rodney Anderson would be the next great running back coming into the NFL. He had to put up – I think he would he could potentially easily put up 2,000 yards. 
he would have been he would have been in New York for the Heisman final without a doubt in my mind. So take take a guy like that and then like compare him to like Bryce Love, who every I feel like I just I don't know. It's like a sour, it's like a sour taste in your mouth. It's like a warhead sour, mm-hmm. you know. After last year, where are you on Bryce Love? Yeah, I I did I did like him um, a little bit more than what. Oh, let me rephrase that. I liked him a little bit less than some other people. Um, but it, at this point, I don't. I'm not nearly as high on him as I am Anderson. I definitely think that he could still potentially land in a decent spot and maybe in a couple of years, but I don't know if he's going to be the dynamic type of running back that Rodney Anderson could be contributing in both facets of the game. Bryce Love is amazing because I remember we've just started talking about rookies for the 2018 class. When we found out he wasn't going to be entering the draft, we were devastated. At least I was. And, and now just this, this tremendous fall that that he's at, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Um, so we've identified here with our diaper dandies, uh, and uh, you know, a wide receiver we're excited about, a running back we're excited about. It's kind of off the radar, frankly. And I'm going to talk about a quarterback that I'm excited about that is not off the radar at all. Maybe it's too obvious, but Kyler Murray. And we talk a lot about Superflex on the show. And I just want to mention, I think Kyler Murray is legit for fantasy. I've watched a lot of videos, a lot of tape on him recently. And it's amazing the playmaking ability of Kyler Murray. The, the, the guy, you know, if, if the middle field is open for him, he sees it. He's so blazing fast. So I think in terms of a Konami code guy for Dynasty, I think Kyler Murray is very, very interesting to me. And in a super flex league, if I have the 101, I feel really good about using it on Kyler Murray. I think he's going to go very, very high in the draft. I don't know if Arizona is going to take him at – and number one or, or what, or maybe Oakland trades up to get him. It doesn't matter to me. I, I love Kyler Murray, guys. I mean, yeah, is he pr- a perfect prospect? No, but, I mean, he, he's put up big numbers. Will, the other week you were talking about how, you know, f- like if you look at fantasy, you know, college football stats and how that translates to the NFL, that's a pretty good indicator. <laughs> um, I, I'm just excited about him. I'm curious what you guys think. I just wanted to mention him here because I think sometimes we, w- with the quarterback class, once again, we're kind of talking about how, and we're not too excited about this class. You know, Haskins is that exciting. Kyler Murray's too short. He's, you know, he's, he, he's done some weird things during the draft process. So what do you guys think? Is right. he someone you're excited about? What if he goes to Miami? I'm, I'm still excited about him, especially <laughs> with the coaching staff they have in place in Miami. I think Miami is a franchise in a couple of years. They're going to be on their way up. So that would be great. I, I think, I think they, they would know how to use him. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of – Kyler Murray for you is it all is it about like his situation that he gets in or um or what not I mean it 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 depends I mean if it's if it's a team that drafts him to make him what he isn't then yes I would I would be concerned about that I think a majority of teams would understand what he is as a quarterback um he's a guy that can move around that he can be dynamic he's not going to be He's not going to be as good as Russell Wilson, probably in my mind, um, but I think he might. that might be a decent comparison. A guy that's not necessarily a runner, um, but a guy that's a scrambler, that like he, he can get out of situations, get a few extra yards with his legs. Um, it, it, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I think he goes first overall in this draft. It just depends on who takes him. You know, is, is Arizona going to stay there and take him, or are they going to trade Rosen? Is someone going to trade up and get him? I think for Arizona, the best case is they trade up and get him because I, I like Rosen too. I don't think it does them any good to trade him and then take Murray. 
Um, so, so we'll see where he lands. I mean, if he lands with a team like Oakland, I'm very excited for that with the weapons he has there. Um, if he lands with a team like Miami, it would, in a super flex league, it would definitely be something I would consider. But if I'm like a winning team, like, hey, I need a little bit of help this year, I don't know if I could take him because, honestly, he might start right away for Miami, probably would start right away for Miami, but I don't know if he would be, if he would be good right away with Miami either. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Will, what do you think of Kyler Murray? I'm, I'm very wishy-washy on, on Kyler Murray. I'm not a good <laughs> quarterback analyst by any means. Maybe even a good you know, player analyst overall. Uh, hashtag Ryan Nall. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the thing about him is the, there's just so much that he, he just hasn't done for the public coming up into draft season. It's all relying on tape. It's the most nuanced dra- like draft prospect that I've seen coming through that just has me worried. Like, what is he hot? Like, it, it's so odd. Like he, he, so he weighs in and measures into the combine and then doesn't throw. Okay. I mean, that's fine. It's not, not a huge deal. He doesn't run. He doesn't do anything else. Okay. Again, quarterback at the combine. I guess we're, you know, we've downplayed that for years now. Uh, you know, his hand side measures in. Okay. Uh, and then at the pro day, throws, a few, you know, throws a few years, does a few things, but doesn't get his height somehow measured at the pro day. Just weighs in. It's just so, it's, to me, it's so very odd that I, I love Kyler Murray as a prospect. You can't statistically, you can't hate Kyler Murray basically, unless you wanted to have like younger production. But uh, man, it just feels so weird with with this whole dynamic that he has and where he's going to go. So, long story short, I'm not in as far as taking him uh, regardless of the landing spot. He's going to have to go somewhere he can start and produce you right away and. I actually really like him when you have like a contract, like you can get him on like a rookie thing or a rookie contract and put him on a taxi squad mm-hmm. and then potentially, you know, trade him or, or, you know, you have more of an option versus if it was just a one, like one-on-one overall in a Superflex dynasty league, I'm not going quarterback there this year. One thing I don't love about Kyler Murray either, he doesn't seem to have the best attitude in the world. Um, I mean, he made a very, I wouldn't say controversial decision, but a a decision that you talk about quite a bit when you say I've been drafted by Oakland. I'm a top prospect for Oakland. I've committed to the Oakland A's. And now all of a sudden, because I had this awesome year in football, I've decided that I'm going to be a football player instead. Any kid, anybody who makes a decision like that needs to sit back and needs to understand that you're going to get questions about it. You're going to be asked about it and it's going to happen repeatedly. So then when people ask him about it at the combine and he's short and he cuts people off and he doesn't really answer the question, he was on the Rich Eisen show and was very, uh, like you said, kind of wishy-washy with it. Um, I don't, I don't love that. Now, maybe that's not who he is. Maybe, maybe this was kind of a Antonio Brown situation where he put on this facade because he wanted to choose where he went to. And when he went into an interview room with the team, he showed them who he was as a person. So I don't want to downgrade him just because of that. But I also don't want to see that as a player. Cause I feel like a guy like Baker Mayfield took a whole bunch of criticism last year and went and did well with it and he's going to be one of the next good great quarterbacks in the league um but he's got they have two different attitudes even they come even though they come from the same college and everything those are just little things that i even as a fantasy football analyst i pick up on those little things and say can it hurt him long term yeah that's a good way to close because that is if i have any concern it is you know that 
you know, mentality, that attitude. But uh, also, it's it's really hard, I think, at this point in the process. I mean, he's also, uh, you know, uh, how old is Kyler Murray? 21, 22. Um, you know, when you're, you're that age, and he's maybe not getting the best advice on things. So, I, I mean, I think it was if he loves football, because he says he does, that's his sport, and all of a sudden he knew he'd be drafted, you know, this highly in the NFL draft. I think it was a smart business decision. So, yeah, he committed to – to play baseball, but at the same time, like if, like if any of us, we were committed to, to a company, but another company comes along and they, they offer us this great opportunity, a better job, more pay guaranteed early on. We wouldn't have to get on a bus and travel between minor league te- you know, mm-hmm. small cities. We we'd do that too. So, you know, I, I but, but it, it is interesting perspective on, on Kyler Murray. And I a hundred percent agree with that too, because I've said it too. you, live one life you get one shot at this you do what makes you happy and being an nfl quarterback if that's what makes him happy 100 percent go for it so i don't knock him for the decision i just i am concerned about the way he's kind of handled it in interviews and things like that it's just been odd it's it's very odd in, in this day and time for to not perform everything like everywhere to show what you're worth mm-hmm. like if you're just going to promote up your stats which you know are amazing and you want to go by that i get that that's uh, going to benefit him, but he's made it very clear that he knows that benefits him, and that's what he's going by. And so that's what it, it just you know it just seems I don't know as as a person who's trying to look into this, it's just very weird that you don't want to show off your arm talent to go higher. You're saying go off the my you know my tape and what I can do you know did there. Well, if you're if you really think you're the you could be the number one overall pick, you want to flash that. That's going to make you so much more money. And if you don't you're going to make so much more money by not, you know? Gonzaga, the slipper still fits. Guys, let's move on. We, get, we got time for one more category for March Madness player values, and that's the Gonzagas. Is it the Gonzagas or Gonzaga? I think it's Gonzaga, right? Um, the Gonzagas, the, the player that comes out of nowhere to be a fantasy stud for years to come. And that's kind of what Gonzaga did, right? They were, uh, you know, college basketball program, you know, John Stockton went there. They didn't really have a lot of success. And then, what was it? I don't know. Was it late 90s, early 2000s? I'm not even sure. They emerged. And now they're perennially one of the top college basketball teams in the country. And, and they, they didn't used to be a very, very small school, small campus, uh, Spokane, Washington. Um, but let's talk about our players that will come out of nowhere to be fantasy students for years to come. Kyle, who is your Gonzaga of the players we're going to talk about in our little dynasty march madness group we got going on here well i have to say i had no idea where gonzaga was located until you just told me so (laughs) a little bit of a geography lesson for me i appreciate that (laughs) um so i've got i've got tyler boyd listed here um and i think people are still doubting him a little bit right now he was a guy that i almost almost put as a sleeper last year and i talked myself out of it because after i looked into the numbers i was like you know what probably not Joe Mixon, I thought was going to have, uh, you know, a really good season, which he did. But I thought, you know, in the passing game with Gio being there as well, Gio Bernard, I thought, you know, they were going to take away some targets and stuff like that. But just a great season for a guy that was basically picked up off the waiver wire for a majority of redraft owners. Uh, and then for dynasty owners that had him probably was not expecting anything from him. And then it finally happened. I know a lot of people like Tyler Boyd and were high on him. But, you know, when your first two years, you only combine for just over 800 yards and three touchdowns, people tend to forget about you. 
So he comes out of nowhere and, you know, uh, 1,028 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, he could, he could end up replacing AJ green when, you know, AJ green at that point moves on and, and we're done with him. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, could benefit also from having AJ green there. So I think either situation that happens, he can benefit from it and become a guy that not necessarily is a superstar, like a wide receiver one, but I think a guy that we could potentially look at is like a wide receiver two type player for several years now. All right. No, I, I, yeah. Tyler Boyd's interesting. We've talked about in the show that we've been in some leagues, like some shallower dynasty leagues where I know I picked him up off waivers. I know Trey did in a couple of leagues. So he's a guy that in some dynasty leagues, some shallow formats, you, you could have picked up off waivers. Pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought him up because he's a guy that I'm not sure how to value moving forward and how long he's going to sustain his value for years to come. I'm actually in a dynasty league with Will and Trey, and, and I he's one of my transition tag players. I have to assign the number of years on his contract, how long to keep him, and I'm trying to decide how many years. So, Kyle, you're telling me I should assign at least three years, right? Yeah, I typically in contract leagues, all of my dynasty leagues that are contract leagues, like five years is the max you can do contract wise. And typically a guy like Tyler Boyd, I will do like three years, you know, one where he's not going to be like a top end type starter for me um, because you can get burned on salary and stuff. To, right and I don't want to do that so yeah typically three years is that nice even balance where I do get him for the next several years but also if you have him on a three-year deal too and maybe he doesn't have a great season you know someone might be a little bit more interested in a, in a shorter contract than they would be if he had you know four years to two years is, is a big difference especially if he has a, you know a decent salary attached to him absolutely yeah no I was thinking he's like kind of like the three-year guy that's what that's where I was comfortable comfortable um you know labeling him three years well what do you think of, of Tyler Boyd do you think he's a guy that will sustain success in fantasy or no so Tyler Boyd is what we live for right in dynasty leagues in, in rookie like trying to figure out like kind of rookie profiling and what we believe in players looking at the production and where they're going and what we believe in them because last year he, you know, he had a quote where he's like, I don't know why Marvin Lewis has benched me. And it, it, there's like work ethic questions. There was so much about Tyler Boyd. And I remember reading, because Ryan, this was this first dynasty league that we were in together about, it was a 4-4 article where they basically laid out everything where Tyler Boyd had the highest percentage to hit. And I remember watching Tyler Boyd in college at Pittsburgh and he was a great, great, great college wide receiver. And then he lands on the Bengals and he has a decent first season. And then his second season, he's just gone. And what are you going to do at that point? Like, you didn't maybe not invested too highly in him, and he's gone. So this is basically, to me, like Tyler Boyd, I, I, I'm not overly high on him. Uh, if I'm signing a contract, I'm doing two years. If, if I'm, you know, I'm shying away on a rookie draft in value, and that's just because I'm being timid. And – I, made, I, I could be wrong about this, and I'm wrong about other players, but this is the guy, though, that we want is dynasty fantasy players to talk about. Like, if I, could, if I called Tyler Boyd last year and I was like, everybody needs to pick up Tyler Boyd early in the season, I identified this as like, look at all this, this, this things, I would, I would just be, you know, pants would be off during the podcast. <laughs> you know, I would just, every time you guys argue with me, I just reference Tyler Boyd. This is what we want is dynasty players. So, to not be high on him from here on out. Um, I don't know. I, I want to be more excited about Tyler Boyd. I'm just not. And I, I, 
it's basically because I don't think that the his first two years of production scares me more than his one really, really good year of production. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And it is sad when we, like, like Philip Lindsay, for example, when we're also excited about Philip Lindsay and what he does his rookie year. And now it seems like everyone is down on Philip Lindsay. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, but it's just a sad thing that, you know, we were excited about him coming out of nowhere to have that great year he did in, in, in 2018. And, and now we're all like, well, you need to sell Philip Lindsay if you can. I mean, he's undersized and new coaching staff and, you know, Freeman's yeah. going to come and take over that job. I mean, like, it's funny because everyone's buying Philip Lindsay. Like, what's that? Nobody's really buying Philip no, Lindsay. Yeah, and that's the advice. It's like, you know, buy, you know, sell Philip Lindsay while you can. Well, everyone's giving that advice. Echo Chambers like, in full force. And um, you, you can't sell Philip Lindsay for anything. <laughs> About 10 minutes ago, I literally just got a question on Twitter and my DMs asking me whether they'd go Philip Lindsay or the 1.5. And I'm like, Lindsay. Like, that would be an easy one for me to make. Yeah, and, and that's probably um, contrarian advice. So there, if you, you put out that out there on Twitter, people are like, what are you talking about? Lindsay's going to be garbage, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's just interesting because um, these stories are fun. I mean, you, you should be cheering for Philip Lindsay to have many more years of success, just like Tyler Boyd, because that's the fun. Yeah. That's what makes fantasy yeah. fun. It's not, I mean, if, I, if I identified Philip Lindsay as a thousand-yard rusher in his rookie season signing with Denver – I would have to take off the shirt too. I don't even know what I'd be wearing. <laughs> I know we're I know we're going super long, but quick story. So one of the websites I used to write for when we put out those rankings or when some of the rankings were put out, I was not a part of it, but I was still kind of working with them and stuff. Um, I got a message from the guy who ran the website and he was like, dude, Philip Lindsay's sister is on my timeline right now, killing me because I didn't include him in my top 10 running backs. And sure enough, she went in and went full fire. You're going to regret this. Philip Lindsay is going to be a star in the NFL. I mean, just laid into it. I ended up getting into it and I was like, hey, I mean, you have to understand where we're coming from. He just doesn't have the he just doesn't have like some of the exciting factors that we're looking at from a fantasy football standpoint we're not not cheering for him we don't hope he doesn't succeed and she was like no you know I get that I'm sorry I don't mean to get you know all fired up so then when he comes out at the beginning of the season and just goes a wall of course our mentions pop back up and she goes see I told you <laughs> I love Philip Lindsay I love his story little Tas- he's nicknamed the Tasmanian De- devil at Colorado from mm-hmm. the area hometown hero like this is this is like how like how, like movies movies are born by Philip Lindsay's story. Yep, I love that. I love that his his sister you know went to went to town with you guys. Oh, that's a great story. That's really great. Um, Will I I want to get to your Gonzagas because you've got a couple here at least. Well, I, so I had just a really hard time picking my my Gonzaga because it's like they're. They haven't been bad in the past, but they play in a, in a, in a pretty weak conference and they have a really hard time getting ranked. And in general, when it comes to tournament time and choosing my bracket, uh, Gonzaga costs me every year because I don't like them. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, Gonzaga, you you prove me wrong year over year, <laughs> but I pick against you all the time. Like, I think this year I have you losing at Syracuse because there's no way you can handle Jebehan in his own. Anyway, uh, but I feel like this is what we all wanted Corey Davis to be when he was coming up. Corey Davis was supposed to be the Gonzaga. Let him be the, the flag runner, the front runner for this. And it, it's not to say that he's not yet, but in Corey Davis is like, let's say junior or sophomore year. Nobody was talking about Corey Davis coming out early as this prospect and what he was doing. 
at least from what I've been able to, to find in the, you know, like in the deep dive of the records of dynasty fantasy football analysis. So Corey Davis, I want him to be the Gonzaga and he just isn't yet, but I, I feel like the opportunity can still be there. He's still young. Like he's just so young still. And he, he is every time he gets a chance to flash, I feel like he flashes and then maybe he gets banged up. Uh, the other, the other one is uh, if, if Josh Jacobs ends up being this, this great running back that we want him to be, he also to me came from nowhere. He wasn't even relevant until this year. Nobody's talking about until midway through the season. And then the last one, because, of course, since it's only one topic, Ryan, I have to name three players. Uh, Devonta Freeman was this a couple years ago. Devonta Freeman was, should have been, and we wanted him to be the Gonzaga. When Tevin Coleman beat him out from the start, starting spot and hurt his hamstring, Devonta Freeman went to be the number one running back in the league that year, even though it was a down year for running backs. He should have been the Gonzaga from then on out. He should have been the guy – was undervalued and was still finishing in the top like seven running backs year after year and he's he's been, he's been banged up and things like that so basically what, what i'm hinting at is that uh i guess i just can't find a gonzaga <laughs> you know the, the, yeah you've left us a lot to unpack you've mentioned Corey davis josh jacobs devonta freeman <laughs> let's let's focus on Corey davis for a second of all these players because i'm curious what Kyle thinks of Corey Davis because Corey Davis is a guy I, I'm I'm I've been outspoken on my love for him but I have to admit going into this it's the third year right I have some concerns about his situation I think even the Adam Humphreys signing hurts him a little bit because they played Corey Davis in the slot I think you know at least a third of the time and that's probably going to go away with with Humphreys there so I don't know what, what are Corey Davis is, is, is he a guy that can, can emerge this year, Kyle? Is there any hope of that? Well, I like Corey Davis a lot. And I think this is one of these stories where we're going to look back on someday and say, if he would have went to the right landing spot, it would have been a lot better than what it was. Um, I think for 2019 though, I think the tight ends are 100% going to move to a really run based wear you down our defense is going to win games type of uh, of play calling um i'm all in on derrick henry i may or may not have derrick henry as a running back one right now this year so um <laughs> we'll Ooh, just throw, nice. we'll, we'll just throw that one out there um they've upgraded the offensive line um the kid that they got from the los angeles uh rams was the number two and i forget his last name now but he's the number two ranked um run blocking offensive lineman from last year so they've upgraded the offensive line I think they're really going to lean on Derrick Henry and that's going to be coming a running based offense and then they're going to say you know Marcus Mariota you don't need to win games for us you just don't need to lose them and that's the type of things that hurt Corey Davis so I think he could have those up and downs you know up and down weeks where you know just like last season where he puts together these 130 yard days out of nowhere and then other days you're just like he wasn't even startable so um, I have a soft spot for him though he went to Western Michigan University that's like 15 minutes from where I grew up so I heard a lot about him have read and seen a lot of him I think he's super talented Um, my dad asked me if I thought he was going to be a superstar and I said yes so he went out and got his autograph at an autograph session there so for the sake of me living up to that word to my dad I'm hoping he turns out to be awesome (laughs) I want the best for Corey Davis too, but he, he, I want him to be that Gonzaga, you know? So guys, here's my Gonzaga Gonzaga pick. Excuse me. It's Chris Herndon, the tight end for the New York jets. And I I picked Chris Herndon because I think he kind of fits the profile, what we're talking about coming out of nowhere. 
So during the pre-draft process last year, he'd gotten MCL surgery his senior season. So he didn't go through the pre-draft testing, didn't participate in the combine, that type of thing. He played for the Miami Hurricanes, you know, a tight end university, right? But he slipped to the fourth round. He was drafted, and you started to see it towards the end of last year, that connection develop between Sam Darnold and Chris Herndon. So I'm pretty excited about his future. He was a, a wide receiver in high school. So he is a guy that is basically kind of like the tight end you want for your fantasy team because they're, they're going to utilize him as a weapon in the passing game. Paul Pertichese, our friend, was, was, he was one of his sleepers last year, really high on him. So I, I like Chris Herndon a lot. He's a guy that I think it, it will come out of nowhere. When I say fantasy stud, I mean like a startable tight end week to week. I, mean, I think he could be a top, top five or six tight end. I think that's probably his, his uh, ceiling. So what do you guys think of Chris Herndon? I, and I think he's a guy that I've seen starting to get a little bit of buzz too, like doing some startup drafts and stuff. Uh, will and I are in an auction, and he went for a lot more money than I thought he would. So – Clearly, there was somebody that, or a few people that liked him. So what what do you guys think? Kyle, you want to weigh in first here? Yeah. So with Chris Herndon, yeah, I had him on watch lists. I had him on sleeper lists. I had him on, you draft him as an excellent value tight end list. Um, And then they went out and they got Jamison Crowder. And then they went out and they got Le'Veon Bell. And now I'm worried that there's just not going to be enough to go around for him. Now, the good thing is, is he had a great connection with Sam Darnold at the end of the season and they performed well together. But with that being said, too, I mean, I I, will just have to wait and see. I'm still going to buy him a little bit later, but I want to buy him as like my tight end two or maybe even tight end three, uh, you know, in leagues where, you know, dynasty leagues where you're going to be holding guys for a significant amount of time. I have him in a couple of dynasty leagues. I'm not going to rely on him though, because again, I I am worried that there's just not going to be enough volume to go around and he's going to be the one to kind of get left to the wayside because of that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair assessment. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of ignoring the whole Jameson Crowder thing because I just don't believe in Jameson Crowder. <laughs> I, I don't know. But but Le'Veon Bell is certainly a factor. Um, Will, I, I'm curious what you think of um, Chris Herndon. And, and this is the second, guys, I'm going to tell you about the trade where I, I acquired Chris Herndon and some other pieces here in a second. But, but Will, why don't you weigh in on this for just a second? So that's a tease so that you have to listen to the rest of what I have to say. That's, what, that's why Ryan's such a great uh, podcast host. But – one of my concerns is Sam Darnold hasn't been a heavy running back. I don't know what the, the verb, like verb or phrase here is, is, is targeter uh, in his past. And, and at the Jets, you didn't have like a great PPR back there last year. It, it, it was a mixed bag. The Jets weren't good. Like the, the running backs got hurt. They got banged up. I mean, that's fine. Uh, one of my concerns is that like <laughs> how this offense develops and they brought in the infamous Dowell Loggins. Uh, from the the Dolphins and with Adam Gase, and I'm I'm not I'm really not kidding when I say that that should not be underrated when you're looking at these guys as dynasty prospects. Because I've tried to acquire Le'Veon Bell and I want to acquire Le'Veon Bell and I want that to be the way. But Chris Herndon, if he's a good uh, you know if he's a, is a good pass catcher and he's a good target in that offense, I'm not down on him. I just don't think like you know. Hernan's never going to make me take my pants off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not getting that excited about him. It's just, in, that, in that sense, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, hey, I called Chris Herndon. He caught 35 passes for 500 yards and four touchdowns. That's – it just – I like Chris Herndon, but I don't see any, any sort of breakout happening uh, that, that's going to be 
like overly exciting, I guess. So that's now twice now you talked about having your pants. Off. Well, to JJ Zacharyson, I'm borrowing that from him because he's like, whenever he calls something and it goes really well, he's like, oh, the pants were off when I was watching the game. <laughs> I love that phrase, and I think it should be used more often. Oh, uh, that's, well, that, that's a good one. But yeah, it definitely went from being excited about Herndon to tempering expectations. I'm not down on him by any means because I still do like him. I'm just, I, I'm trying to be careful about, because there was one dynasty league I had him that I was ready to roll with him as my tight end one. And now I'm, I'm going to be looking to try and bring someone else in. Okay, here's the train. Um, so I sent, this is a half point PPR league. This is, League of Ballers that Will and Trey and I are in. Uh, so, Will, I don't know if you saw this trade or not. It just happened, I think, maybe yesterday. Okay. I sent Marvin Jones for Chris Herndon, Kalen Balage, and Justin Jackson. So, Marvin Jones for Herndon, Balage, and Jackson. So, Travis Kelsey is my tight end one. So, so Herndon is my tight end two. And I am the Melvin Gordon owner, and I have – Austin Eckler as well. So now I've got the whole Chargers backfield. So grade the trade, guys. If you I, – I don't mind it if you're strong at wide receiver. Um, if Marvin Jones is going to be a guy that you would maybe play every once in a while, um, then I'm all for you know moving guys like that that maybe don't have the type of consistency ceiling as others. Um, to get some younger assets, especially in a dynasty league, and, and try to diversify a little bit. So I don't, mi- I don't mind that at all. You're saying it's kind of like maybe it's win-win because he needed some wide receiver depth. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm pretty much set at wide receiver. I wasn't going to play Jones. The, the league is expanding too. I should mention that. So, oh, you know, then, I'll have the yes. the spots to. Well, yeah, roster spots. And, and Ryan also didn't mention that he lost to me in that championship. So <laughs> uh, it's very important to note that we've played the championship two years in a row, right? Years in a row, so we're one and one. This is maybe the rubber match this year. Assuming you make it back, I'll make it back. Nobody else participates, but I'm glad you sent away Marvin Jones for it. What do you think of that trade, Will? Uh, So I, you know, he was my, uh, you know, he was my Cinderella. I'm actually really high on Marvin Jones, and Herndon is fine. I guess you need him as a backup. He he could uh, get better. Pelage has upside, and that Miami offense got rid of Loggins. Although Loggins went to the Jets. So if, if Herndon gets overly, you know, if they start paying attention to him, Loggins might be like, well, now we can't start him anymore. It's just that we do a Tariq Cohen. So, I mean, it's a hard offense to buy into in that sense. And then uh, what was the, what was the third piece? Justin Jackson. Oh, Justin Jackson. Yeah. He's not going to be relevant. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, if, but, if Gordon gets hurt, he will be probably. Yeah, I think it's totally, I think it's a totally, you, you bought uh, a very nice safety blanket for a player that you're probably never going to start. So I like it on your team as much as, uh, you know, hopefully somehow I can acquire Marvin Jones and then beat you with him in the championship. That is what I'll be trying to do. From here. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, we probably need to get out of here. Kyle, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to share with listeners? Uh, no, I appreciate being on again, being invited back for the second time. I didn't cancel on you guys. Like I did the, uh, the last time at the last minute. So it was nice to just sit back and talk football instead of having to rush through everything like we typically do on our videos. So it was nice to just sit back, kick back and talk for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And we, you were on, you're on the Patreon show, which if you're not a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash FF Joe's. And we talked about pretty much everything, but football. We talked about the NCAA tournament. We talked about fantasy baseball um, we talked about the Fab Five. It, it, it was good times. So check that out. The um, 
patreon.com slash fantasy Joe's. We're on Twitter at FF Joe's on Twitter on and, and Kyle, thank you for coming back. You are welcome to come to the draft party this year. We're going to talk about that as we get closer to the NFL draft. We're doing it again. We're going to invite some of our favorite dynasty football people onto the show and react to the draft live right after the draft happens. It's going to be fun. But in the meantime, I'm Ryan Livergood. On behalf of Trey Barrett, who's not here, Will Greenwood, we are... Trey Barrett. Bye, guys. The Fantasy (laughs) Shows.